0: Well, hello, Dr. Warren and Lisa and Tata. And this is Marnay Sprouse from Columbia River Gorge in Oregon. But I just wanted to say that in my all in, what I'm working on, all in, in being 100% my heart for the Lord.
1: Hey, are you ready to change your life? Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Good morning, my friend. How was your weekend? I hope that you are doing well, that you're excited about this day, that whatever comes before you today, that the Lord has provided uh, opportunity for you to just uh, excel in your life to find purpose and meaning that whatever struggles you're going through, that you have some clarity on ways to have hope and to see possibility that you haven't been able to see before. And one way to do that is to just go in all all in with us. We, we've been are on the 15th day now of all in August. Of course, we're reading Mark Batterson's book, All In. If you haven't read it yet, please do so. It's a great book and kind of help focus your mind just about how important it is to really just Finally, throw off the chains and get rid of everything that's holding you back, and go all in with the Lord. Uh, and you'll find a new, a new way, a new, a new source of power and resilience to get through the hard parts of your life. Well, today we're going to talk about purpose. And Viktor Frankl, of course, a famous um, writer who was um, in uh, actually a prisoner in a concentration camp during World War II. Um, who wrote one of the most famous books about suffering, Man's Search for Meaning. If you've never read that, it is a classic, and it's well worth, it's a short book, but it's a game changer in terms of how to look at problems and still find purpose in them. One of the famous quotes from Viktor Frankl's book is this, Man's main concern is not to gain pleasure or to avoid pain, but rather to see a meaning in his life. That is why man is ever ready to suffer on the condition to be sure that his suffering has meaning. In other words, Frankl recognized that the people who who survived the concentration camps or who came out of them with the best future life possibility were those who were able to find some way to find meaning and purpose, even in the midst of their suffering, who didn't just despair. Makes me think of the scenes, like in Saving Private Ryan, when they're first storming the beach at the very opening part of that movie, and it seems hopeless. With bullets flying from everywhere, they're getting bombarded and shot at from well entrenched German positions, and and it seems hopeless, right? They got to get off those Higgins boats and get onto the beach, and some of them just wither under the fire, and they just sit down and they hide behind the first barrier they get to, and they can't move themselves forward. The battle is overwhelming. And I want to just say that sometimes life feels kind of like that, like like you're getting attacked from all sides. Everything is so hard. You can't find a break. You can't find a moment of peace. You can't find a moment of happiness. And it just feels like the world is stacked against you and it's impossible. God's given up on you. Maybe he's not even there. Nobody sees you. Nobody hears you. Nobody values you. The attacks are never going to stop coming. It just seems hopeless, right? Well, I want to just spend a minute here today to talk about what we do. When life feels like that, how do, we, how do we find a way to take that next step forward, to get off the beach, to, to take the high ground again, to, to find a way to move forward, to convince ourselves that it's reasonable and it's sometimes necessary to continue moving forward? How do we do that? We do that by having a sense of purpose. We do that by understanding why we're there. The posterior temporal cortex of your brain The the posterior temporal part of your brain is about your ability to see purpose, to to engage with other people and connect with other people and find a way to help other people. That, That part of your brain... Posterior superior temporal cortex is kind of wired for contributing to other people. If it's not working properly, you're a little more self-centered. You, you don't see the, the need to go out and try to help others and be altruistic. And and that part of your brain, when it's not working right, you don't you don't function very well in a in a group in a in a in a situation where other people depend on you. Your your brain has to be working properly in order for you to see the reason to continue performing with helping trying to help other people and so if you don't have the posterior superior temporal cortex of your brain working properly it's hard for you to find meaning and purpose well what's going on over there the neuroscience is that the neurotransmitters oxytocin dopamine and serotonin contribute to your sense of well-being and happiness oxytocin helps you to see the need for social bonding and empathy One has to do with lactation and motherhood and all those things. Dopamine plays a major role in motivation and movement, and serotonin is the one that helps your mood become stable and feel better and free to feel better. So, when you start to feel like you're all alone, when you start to feel like everything is happening against you, everything is too hard, the secret is to engage that posterior superior temporal cortex to, to say, I'm gonna, I want to find a way to look out for somebody else, to try to find an opportunity to help another person to come alongside. There's a great story. There's a blog by a guy named Zach Mercurio who tells a story about the first woman, Desiree Linden, who became the the first American woman in over 30 years to win the Boston Marathon. It had been won by foreigners for over 30 years, and she won because she was running along that day, and she said she felt terrible. Her body didn't feel good. Her mind wasn't good. She wasn't engaged very well. She was struggling to keep going, and she thought about quitting the race. She was getting ready to drop out, but somehow she's noticed another runner that she was gaining ground on that seemed to be struggling, and something kicked in, and as she got next to that lady, she said, the lady's name was Flanagan. She said, Hey, if you need me to block the wind for you or adjust the pace a little bit, let's just run together. Let me know if I can help you and and we'll get through it together. And what she said, what she said was that after she offered to help the other runner, that Lyndon said that she got her legs back that that focusing on helping blocking the wind setting the pace getting in front of this other lady so she would have more courage to continue gave Lyndon her legs back she she got her juice back because she engaged something outside of herself so helping other people helps us sometimes more than it helps them so So the the purpose of telling you that story is that sometimes when you feel like you can't go on, sometimes when you feel like you don't have the juice to take another step, it's because you've become circled into your own problems. You're you're running a circular firing squad in your own brain and and your limbic system is telling you to run away or hide or quit or give up or or feel bad or, or, or notice that nobody notices you or pay attention to the fact that nobody pays attention to you or to focus on how bad you feel because nobody else is helping you. It just won't ever stop being hard. When you do that, you're basically convincing your brain to keep your temporal lobes and your frontal lobes out of the fight, and you're basically just going to give up and quit because it's all about you at that point. And if you're doing it all for yourself and nobody's noticing anyway, then why would you keep going? There's scenes like the the scene at um, Saving Private Ryan in that first battle, there's several amazing little moments in that battle where somebody else grabs another guy and says, Come on, we gotta move forward. You gotta you gotta you gotta go. We gotta help move forward on this beach. And the reason that they're able to keep going It's because they have a sense of purpose, not only just to stay alive, but that the reason they're on the beach in the first place is because they've got to win this war. They've got to save civilization. They've got to set the captives free. They've got to overtake and and defeat evil. They've got a strong sense of purpose that becomes a shield for them to deflect those things that are attacking them and helping others helps them. I'm there for a reason. I'm there for a purpose. Right? So, there's a famous story from the civil war about Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain who was a colonel in the uh, from Maine and he led the counterattack on Little Bighorn Big on Little Roundtop the hill that they had to hold that was the high ground that was going to make them either win or lose the battle And they were severely outnumbered. They were out of ammunition. They were desperate, and the Alabama infantry was rushing up the hill to take them. And Chamberlain knew that if they lost Little Round Top, they were going to lose the battle. And if they lost the battle, they were probably going to lose the war. And If they lost the war, they were probably going to lose the Union, and we probably wouldn't have our country anymore. So it's another one of those moments where somebody had to see the purpose and why they were there. That Somebody had to see the reason and inspire other people to get behind the purpose, and then they fixed their bayonets, and they ran down that hill, and 80 Union soldiers captured several hundred attacking rebels because they found their purpose. It was impossible. It was against all odds. It was unlikely that they were going to survive, but they did that because they had to achieve their purpose, they didn't give up. They didn't. They didn't just wither into the fight and sit down and say, "Oh, I'm, I'm hosed. I'm lost. I'm just going to surrender. Maybe I'll survive." Make it all about me, right? They pushed through it because they had purpose. They were bigger. The moment was bigger than their own individual life. Now, obviously, we're here to talk about how neuroscience and faith line up, right? Because I believe that no matter what application or what perspective or what thing you're talking about, if you don't add the spiritual element to it, you're only getting part of the story. That's why we want to be more than 10% happier, right? Well, when we talk about happiness, by the way, and your brain chemicals, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, all of them basically give you this sense of well-being and happiness. But The problem is if you're only pursuing happiness for its own end, then you get that little hit of neurotransmitter and you want to have it again and again and again and quickly become just this person who's seeking those feel-good chemicals in your brain. And that's what leads some people to a life that's all about themselves and seeking pleasure and trying to find something that makes them feel better, alcohol, drugs, relationships, gambling, Shopping, whatever it is, it gives you that quick, cheap dopamine hit. It's been shown in studies even that just thinking about or telling other people stuff that you want to do gives you a little boost of those neurotransmitters. And so some people just talk all the time and never actually do anything because it's making them feel better to do so. So I'm not talking about happiness for the sake of happiness, because as you know, you've been alive long enough to know that when you pursue something just for the purpose of making yourself happier, that thing, once you finally get it, becomes a moving target that doesn't actually make you happy. That's when we did a whole episode recently about how Jesus tells us to hunger and thirst for better stuff. He's got food and water, living food and living water that actually fills us up and satisfies our cravings and teaches us how to be satisfied and fulfilled in Him. And then we get the whole world thrown in. C.S. Lewis said, remember, you aim at heaven, you get the earth thrown in with it. If you aim at earth, you don't get either one, heaven or earth. Because the things that we pursue in this life aren't worth it and they don't satisfy us. And so when we're talking about finding purpose, we find purpose in something bigger than ourselves. Let me give you a couple of things. So one of the greatest gifts that we've that we've been given by God is purpose. Check out first I'm sorry, Second Timothy one nine. God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It's easy to just think that that verse says that God gave us grace, and he did. He gave us grace. He gave us what we didn't deserve. He didn't give us what we did deserve. He forgave us of our sins when we couldn't have done it on our own. He, that's a that's the greatest gift of all, right? But there's an and in there. He gave us his own purpose and grace. So check that out. That means you were born, you were created, friend, with a purpose that God gave you that only you can accomplish. Uh, there's a devotional I read every morning First 15, first15.org. It's great. If you want to spend about 15 minutes, you can even click and listen to it. They play music behind it. It's great resource. first15.org. Check it out. But there's a there's a devotional he recently did about purpose. And he talked about how from the time of Adam, God has always made clear the purposes we were created for. And those purposes can change over time. So, you know, early on it was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's what humans were here for at first. And then after the fall, we're supposed to find our, our, our part of the story of redemption that gets us back to a relationship with him and help other people find the path to get back into relationship with him so that we can all be with him in a restored environment for eternity. Our purpose now is to reflect his light to other people, right? That's our purpose. And the guy that wrote first 15.org says, have you lived days where you're simply going through the motions? Have you had bad days where you feel as if you don't, what you do doesn't matter. Those days in my life were my absolute worst. I would rather go through trials and persecution with purpose than live a meaningless day. It's in purpose that we find satisfaction. In purpose, we find our lives matter. And in purpose, we discover the reasons we were created. Friend, our whole society right now is shattering because everybody's after what they think is going to make them happy. And if you don't give me what's going to make me happy, we're going to have a fight. We're going to burn the city down. You better give me what I have coming to me. I deserve it. It's my right. I'm made this way. And you better honor what I feel. You better give me what I want. If I'm not happy, then I'm going to burn it all down. That's what we're seeing in life right now. Why? Because people don't have their real purpose. They think they're here just to serve themselves and make themselves feel happy. And that's not the point. The The whole reason you're here is because God gave you a purpose. You don't find your own purpose. You find God's purpose. You align yourself with him, the scripture says. Remember our green light verses? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It starts with being in him, right? Trust in him with all your heart, and he'll make the path straight for you, friend. God has placed value and worth on your life, the devotional says, to an extent you have yet to discover. He has a plan and purpose for your life that he's assigned to no one else. Your life, my friend, is meant to make an eternal impact for his kingdom, which will reign for all time. But in his grace, he has also given you control over your life, you can choose to live your life according to his purposes or your own. That's from first15.org, I'll put a link in the show notes. But here's my question for you, friend. My question for you is this, are you generally happier? Do you generally feel better? Do you generally have better days and better weeks and better months and better years when you seek your own purpose or when you try to find something bigger? I'm just asking you, it's a legitimate question. Do you feel better? Well, Dr. Phil, the old pop psychologist, used to say, or still does probably, "How's that working for you?" Like, look at the things that you always tend to do in your life, because we all do them. We we circle around the same set of stuff our whole lives, unless we find an off ramp onto something better. And that's really what all in August is about. We circle around the same thing. We keep having the same issues. We keep dealing with the same trouble. Why? Because we never stop to ask ourselves, "How's that working for you? How's it going?" Jules Walker posted one time, and I've written about it before, talked about it before. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting, right? That What, what she said was a quote from somebody else. And I don't know where the original quote came from, but it basically said, choosing not to change something is choosing to accept that thing. Choosing not to change is choosing to stay the same. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. And again, ask the question, how's it working for you? You're on the beach. The bullets are coming in. Do you have the shield of purpose that's going to help you fight, that's going to find your next step, to find the power and choose to go forward or not? There's two verses in Colossians chapter 3 that give us a sense of what to, how to focus. Are we living for ourselves or are we living for something greater? Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You're on top of Little Round Top, and you're out of bullets, and you got bayonets, and the and the rebels are charging, and you got to say, I am host. I need to I need to sit down and surrender, so maybe they won't kill me, and they'll take me to a prison camp where at least I can have food and water. It's like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt, right, for chariots and horses, or after they marched around in the desert for a few days, they start forgetting how bad slavery was, and they start missing out, they start missing the beans and the rice and the bread that they had, right. Maybe it won't be so bad if I just surrender. Are you living for yourself? Or are you going to say, I've got to fix bayonets and charge down this hill because if we lose this battle, we lose this hill. If we lose the hill, we lose the high ground. If we lose the high ground, we lose the city. If we lose the city, we lose the war. If we lose the war, we lose our country. If we lose our country, we lose our way of life, and all is lost. They're able to see down that path. Batterson writes that story in the All In book about the, the, for want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of the horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the message was lost. For want of a message, the battle was lost. For want of the battle, the kingdom was lost. All for the want of a horseshoe nail. You see, if you give up and you're the one that has the purpose, you're the the only one that can fulfill this particular purpose, then you might find yourself just like Queen Esther when Mordecai said, it was for such a time as this as you were born. If you fail, God will still work his problems out, his, his situation out. God will still save his people, but you won't get the blessing of being part of it. If you don't fix bayonets, friend, if you don't say, I've got to get up off this deal and I've got to charge down this hill, I've got to move forward on the beach, I've got to pick up and help run this race and help this other person get through it so I can finish too. If you don't find the purpose in your moment, whatever you do in word or deed, Do it all for yourself? No. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks. Remember, gratitude improves your neurochemistry. And here's what you can do. You can look at your workday coming up and you can say, I got to deal with all these morons in my office and they're going to have the same excuses they had for last time. My boss is an idiot. or I've got to deal with all these patients or I've got to deal X, Y, Z. And this person's giving me a hard time. And I don't like my job and I'm tired. and I just want to stay home. Well, you can look at your day ahead like that. And guess what's going to happen? Your brain chemistry is going to go down the drain and you're going to feel bad and you're going to create all these self-fulfilling prophecies about how it's going to feel when you get to work today. Okay? You can do that. You can do that ahead of the next time you talk to your kid on the phone. You're sort of bouncing on a relationship that's not so great and you would either want to want to connect with them again and restore that relationship or you want to just let the inevitability cause it to continue to fail marriages do this all the time you're circling right on the edge is it going to make it or are we going to fall apart well she probably doesn't love me anymore and she doesn't you know our, our intimacy's gone and we just don't connect and we can't talk and we're still mad about that thing that happened 5 years ago and 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 it's just we're just lost and we're just not the same as we used to be and you can go down that rabbit hole in your brain or, you can say, God, I want to honor you with my marriage. I want to be a better spouse to my to my person that you've trusted me with, and I want to I want to pray that you'll break these chains of sameness. You'll you'll. Break this inertia, that you'll help me find the words to say, the little act of kindness that might finally unlock that little thing and the ice might start to melt. And maybe if we do that, God, maybe you can let us reconnect and maybe you can build a bridge back to our family being intact again. Maybe you can give me the right words to say when I call my kid or maybe when I get to work today, you can let me encourage somebody else and maybe that'll change their attitude and maybe that'll make the meeting go a little bit more smoothly. And maybe we can charge down this hill and get to. To a place where we can accomplish our purpose today, and we're going to be grateful for that. God, thank you for letting me have a job in the first place. Thank you for letting me have a spouse, so I'm not alone. And please help me find the way to save this. Right? It's all up to you. Are you going to get in front of that other runner and block them from the wind a little bit and help them, and find your legs again, or are you just going to sit down and quit? It's up to you. The second verse in Colossians three. This is verse twenty three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You're not serving your boss, you're not serving your company, you're not even serving your spouse. Really, ultimately you're serving the Lord. And if He's put you in this place at this time, it's for a purpose that He has given you, friend. He's given you the purpose. Second Timothy one nine God saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ before the ages. Last verse Acts seventeen, twenty six through twenty eight. This is a new century version. I like how it reads. God began by making one person, and from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. God wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around him for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Listen, friend, that's the story. That's the story. That's the purpose. That's the reason that you're here. It's because he gave you an opportunity he gave you a purpose. He gave you a passion. He gave you a plan. He gave you the story. And all you have to do is fix bayonets and get after it and go all in with it. If you want your life to feel different than it's been feeling, you've got to figure out what your purpose is. And you've got to stop saying, the world is too hard. There's too many bullets. There's too many weapons. The enemy is too great. We are overwhelmed. I might as well just quit. It's never going to feel better than it does. My marriage is over. My kid won't call me. I just, nobody ever sees me or hears me. It's too hard. It's too much. It's too late. It's too far. You can do that, or you can get your temporal lobes engaged. You can start finding a way to be grateful. You can start trying to work for something bigger and greater than yourself. You can understand that you do have a purpose. It's already been given to you, and that purpose is to find God Connect with him and help others to see him and to use the context of your life, the situation that you're in, the exact time and place and boundary of where he has put you. And he told you why in Acts 17. He put you there so that you would find him and help others find him too. That's why you're here. That's what your purpose is. And that's why you need to go all in. I'm going to play Tommy Walker, a little acoustic hymn, Victory in Jesus. You're on top of Little Round Top, and you have the victory. The, the battle's already been won. The war's going to win. As Mordecai said to Esther, God's going to save his people. The war's set. The war's determined. The question is, are you going to have a statue on the hill like Joshua Chamberlain does at Gettysburg because you're the one that gave the order to fix the bayonets and finally get after it, or are you going to be a casualty in that war? Are you going to be a casualty that didn't achieve your purpose? Or are you going to win? Well, the question, that's the question. The answer comes, and when you decide that you're going to fix bayonets and you're going to charge down that hill into your own life and you're going to accomplish your purpose, and you'll start finding that your days feel better, that the wind's behind your back instead of in front of you, you'll start feeling that purpose and power and passion for your life, and that's how you actually find happiness, is when you're pursuing something bigger than yourself, when you give suffering meaning, it starts to feel less like suffering and more like hope. And that, my friend, is the first dose of how you can feel better and be happier. That's it. That's the plan. That's the purpose. That's where you find the power and the passion. And the good news is, you can start today.
0: I heard an old,
1: old story
0: How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary Just to save a wretch like me Precious bloods atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Then I heard about His healing Of His cleansing power revealing How He made the lame to walk again And cause the blind to see Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit, and somehow Jesus
2: heard about Blood. But he loved me, and yeah, I knew him And all my love is due He plunged me to victory Beneath the cleansing flood mm-hmm. And
0: when I was at my lowest point Lord, you lifted me up You set my feet up on a rock You gave me the fit
2: something marvelous. Let's sing it like this. Marvelous And wonderful Marvelous Is my Savior's love for me I can't believe Is my savior's love for me? All I can do is praise him, praise him.
1: thanks for listening the dr lee warren podcast is listener supported check out patron.podbean.com slash dr lee warren that's patron.podbean.com slash dr lee warren patrons and partners get free books transcripts special patron only episodes and more and Partners like you allow us to stay ad-free and keep growing. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmb.com prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them. TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.